What happens when a blind man, a woman of color, and a child of immigrants get together to discuss how diversity, equity, and inclusion can impact businesses? Hi everybody, welcome to the Choose Inclusion podcast. I'm Yubi, and I am the Latino white guy of the group. I'm Nina, I am the woman of color in the group. And I'm Mike, I'm uh, the blind guy been legally blind my entire life and we're here hey, I've been a woman of color my entire life too <laughs> oh now you're trying to one-up me <laughs> no. and I, to be fair I'm half Latino so I guess I don't know I split my time basically I'm either sometimes Latino or sometimes white sometimes you have privilege sometimes you <laughs> don't <laughs> you're exactly right <laughs> but not your whole life but not my whole life okay mm-hmm. All right. that's exactly right all right well and that you know what that brings us right into why we're here um, you know, this, this podcast is something that's really passionate and important to my life, not only just living, but also working. And I think you two would agree with, with that, right? And, and that's what we wanted to do with this first episode was really introduce the why, our individual stories about why we're doing this, why Choose Inclusion is so important, um, but also get into why we think it's really important for anybody trying to build a business, trying to build a company. And so that's, I'll, I'll jump in with my why, just to, I, sort of my, my testimony, if you will. But basically, you know, having grown up with a father from Argentina and a mother from the U.S. Um, and a, a name, Ubaldo, which in Kansas, I was really the only Ubaldo in, for thousands of miles, you know, that, but also being, or being visually recognized as white, like that, I've enjoyed that privilege. Like you said, Nina, I'm joking, but it's true. Like I've enjoyed that privilege. Um, but now, you know, working with companies, helping them to find the right people to join their team to, to, to work with, uh, to, to really truly make an impact has just opened my eyes even more to, God, how important is it that companies consciously choose to build a more inclusive environment that really attracts more diversity and, and, and you know, people from all kinds of different backgrounds because I think we, we have seen companies be more successful when they have that diversity of, of experience, of thought, of people um, that are very reflective of their customer base, for example. So that's sort of my why. What do you guys think? I mean, my why, I, I agree with you. I think one of the things, Yubi, that, that brought me into this was um, working in the tech sector. You know, it's an incredibly homogenous place to be. And, uh, you know, usually, when I would go into meetups and stuff like that, I would be the only woman of color in the room. Usually just a handful of women and pretty much the only woman of color. And um, it's a frustrating experience when you go into places like this and no one really listens to you or even tries to understand a different point of view on how to tackle problems in the industry. And so kind of seeing that firsthand and experiencing that firsthand, it just made sense to 
you know, you can't just have the conversation with the folks at the bottom of the ladder. Like these conversations need to happen with the folks who have the power to make all the decisions. And so the leaders in the businesses have that power to choose inclusion, to make sure that their companies and environments are a place where people of all different backgrounds feel heard and respected. And so that's pretty much the why of why I did it. It was kind of coming from a place of disenfranchisement to a place of like, it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. And statistically, we know just how few, I mean, the glass ceiling is still there, right, Nina? Like, mm-hmm. we, we just kind of know that. It's not, it's, it's gotten better. However, it's still absolutely there. And from an ethnicity perspective, the statistics are still there to show, like, it's not a level playing field, right, Ubaldo? Like, it's just not there. Right. And so for people with disabilities, it's absolutely kind of that same, that's that, that same thread for, for me. It's knowing that over my corporate career, I was the token blind guy in most in very large organizations. I was the token blind guy. And so for me, I made it a, my life's work now and partnering with uh, amazing individuals like you to go out there and just showcase that, uh, whether it's people with disabilities, whether it's women, whether it's women of color, whether it's other ethnic, whether it's LGBTQ, regardless of the demographic, veterans, we deserve a true place in uh, the workplace. And we add value to an organization's bottom line and culture. Right. Well, I think, you know, what, what, and what I love about what we're doing uh, collectively, individually, is really just educating people first and foremost about diversity, about equity, about inclusion. Because I think, I think there's a lot of definitions out there about what all these things mean. And if, you're, if you don't understand what that definition is and how that, how that definition applies to your organization, then it just becomes sort of a check the box type of initiative. You know? Yeah, and you know, it's interesting when you, you talked about definitions and that idea of a shared baseline understanding of what does diversity, equity, and inclusion mean has to be discussed, right? And like, I think that's probably a good place for us to start this conversation too, is like, how do we define it? Totally agree. Because I think if you're a leader in a company and you're saying, we need to have these conversations, but some people have never even heard this terminology before and have no idea what it means, then you can start going into what are like more advanced concepts that, you know, people like us take for granted because we're talking about this every single day. Yeah, it's a great point. And so, I mean, Mike, how would you define diversity, equity, and inclusion? Uh, it's a great question. I look at the DNI space, diversity and inclusion, and I know it's uh, a lot of this is trendy, right? Like, so oh, it's diversity, equity, and inclusion, or it's diversity and inclusion. It's it's throwing out these acronyms, and to me, from my standpoint, I'm always looking at it from, you know, a a hiring practice, a, an employment retainment practice within an organization that is truly representative of what regular America looks like. Like we know that there's, you know, multi-digit percentages of, of uh, people with color, right? We know there's multi-digit uh, percentages of people with disabilities. We know that uh, there's a significant portion of the population of LGBTQ those kind of populations, is that reflected inside of your organization? 
And so to me, diversity and inclusion is just saying, how do we get an organization to look more like the average American population? And because we know for a fact that when you have that diversity of thought within that organization, you are going to outperform organizations within your same vertical. Well, and you're going to build products that a, a diverse customer base, like you said, will want to use, right? Like if it's just a, a team of middle-aged white guys building you know, an entertainment app, for example, that millions of people across the United States or the world use, how, how is that product reflective of that customer base if it's being built by one di demographic? One it can't of, be. One set of, of thought leaders within that yeah. space, right? Exactly. So like, <clears throat> I'll take it a step further and say that I'm a little hesitant to ever use the word diversity of thought. Because when you start using the word diversity of thought, you can get all the same looking people in the same room with the same set of experiences, but they might have different opinions about things. To me, that's, that takes away from what diversity is. And so when I talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, I'm specifically talking about all the people from underrepresented groups mm -hmm. in this country. So I think about gender and race. I think those are the two big obvious ones that people go for. But I also think about veterans and people in the LGBTQ community. I think about people with visible and invisible disabilities. I talk about people of different socioeconomic backgrounds. I talk about, um, you know, the fact that there's appearance and weight diversity. So there is a lot of fat discrimination in this country. We need to talk about that as part of the diversity conversation. So when, I, when I'm talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, I really think about what are all the communities that are being marginalized and not heard and how are we reaching out to them, and how are we bringing them into the fold of these conversations. Amen, sister. Le leave it to Nina to bring it home, <laughs> right? No, I love it too, and I think um, going back to sort of our baseline definitions, because that, but so understanding that definition of diversity only goes so far if you don't have an inclusive environment at in your company, that diversity will never last, right? So what does an inclusive environment mean to you? So to me, there, there's a quote I like to use. Um, essentially, it's, it's inclusion is not about getting invited into the room. It's about getting invited into the room, but also getting invited to be a part of the conversation. So um, there's a simpler way to put it there. So it's not about getting invited into your house. It's about getting invited to move your furniture around, to rearrange the house, right? To actually have uh, an equal opportunity to sit down at the table, no matter who you are or what you look like or whatever, and be a part of the important conversation going on. That to me is inclusion. And, and if that doesn't exist in the company, then you know, diversity at that point is, again, just like checking a box, in my opinion. Right. And I believe, like, diversity and inclusion as a concept, I, I say this a lot, you guys have heard me say this, diversity is mandatory in today's global economy. Like, there's no getting away from diversity. Inclusion, you have to choose into that. Like, you have to opt into, you have to make a conscious decision to say, yes, I'm going to be inclusive. And you do that through uh, hiring practices, and you do that through retainment practices within the organization. So it's great that you're out there actively, you know, going out to college campuses. However, are you going to, you know, all the places where all the students are, right? right. Are you going to like HBCUs? Are you going to places where the colleges aren't just serving, aren't just Yale, Cornell, 
right. and Harvard, are you actually going to places where people of different socioeconomic backgrounds will have access to education? Exactly. So, I, and so to me, the inclusion component is like, you have to choose into that and you have to do a little bit more legwork. And I know with this podcast, we're going to give organizations and thought leaders out there the true tips and tools and techniques to go out there and be successful on both hiring and retainment practices. Yeah, I, I love that because that's a lot of the feedback that I get um, from people who attend a lot of the different workshops that we've all done together and separately is that they don't, there's not a takeaway, right? Like how do I, how do I make this a habit within my own life, a conscious decision to, to change the way that I behave based on my biases. I think it starts with bias too, like if we even take a step back. So now that we sort of have these common definitions and understandings of diversity and inclusion, what we need to do is all step back and say, well, what, are, what is my bias, right? Like I don't like Patriots fans. <laughs> but if I step but back, no one likes right, fans. right, right. But if I step, we should probably edit that. <laughs> no, go Broncos. We're not editing that, right? <laughs> but my point is, look, if we step back and analyze that bias, let's strip away the teams. What do we have? We have people who are who love football, and we have people who love their team. You know, there's those are the things that we have in common, and so. Just because I don't like the Patriots doesn't mean that those people are different than me, right? It, it's, and so that's, that's sort of understanding. If I can understand and define that particular bias, then I can choose how I'm going to react when I see a Patriots fan. I mean, I'm probably still going to, you know, give him the finger and... <laughs> <laughs> Scream, Brady sucks. <laughs> Cheaters! No. Learn to inflate your, you. learn to inflate your <laughs> footballs. <laughs> well, I, I know you guys have heard me say this as well too, when I, when I give my talks to audiences and I, I let people know, like regardless of color out there, I said one of the advantages that as a blind person that I have, I do not see color. Like I'm, I'm truly probably one of the only white guys who can truly get away with that saying is yeah. I do not see color. And it's an amazing thing to be able to look out at an audience and everybody looks the same. It's all blurry. Right. So everybody has the same skin color. However, how do you create a hiring practice that you're, you're not seeing color or gender or socioeconomics, right? Like how do you create that? And I think that's the true takeaway that we can offer yeah. through this podcast, a technique for organizations to start getting to that point start with the hiring practices, then it's the retainment practices. Mm -hmm. So we can help them create that blurry oh, yeah. perspective. Perspective, <laughs> yeah, I lost I the like word. That. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think you need to have, I think a blurry perspective is helpful, but I also think that you need to recognize where underrepresented folks come from and elevate and amplify them too. So there's value in seeing color because there are systemic historical issues that have led to the oppression of people with certain, like from these underrepresented communities. And you can't, by simply just making things blurry is, is not enough to remove all bias. Totally, I totally get that. However, you, the, you know, with affirmative action, right? So do you make it a quota? Or do you showcase the power of like, you know, again, I think when you start to get hiring practices, Nina, that start to, you know, um, address where some of those biases come from, 
right? And there are obvious biases that are out there. But if you start to address some of those, you know, I, I'd love to see the experiment where all of a sudden now your organization starts to reflect more of the actual world that we live in. Because I think that'll happen. I think, I think when you start not looking at people's color and gender and all those other kind of things and you start hiring based on maybe skills or competencies, that realizing that those skills and competencies exist out there in all demographics. Mm -hmm. I would, uh, see, I think this is gonna be the fun part of this podcast. Totally. Is that I think Mike and I are gonna butt heads a little bit on some stuff. Right. And I'm and gonna sit back and eat my popcorn. Yeah, like, uh, you know, I, I thought it was interesting how as soon as I said elevating underrepresented groups, you jump to affirmative action and quotas. And uh, that's not what I mean when I say elevating you know, underrepresented groups. It's not about quotas. It's about what kind of opportunities are you giving folks to showcase their skills. If you're taking people for exactly where they're at and you're thinking about that in terms of your hiring practices and not thinking about how are you creating learning opportunities for folks? How are you creating opportunities for them to thrive? I mean, we all know you can't, the interview process in and of itself is a terrible way to hire people. An apprenticeship program is probably one of the best ways to bring people in and get loyalty, get them really invested, and really find out are they uh, gonna work well with, your, with the rest of your team. So when I think we start like you know thinking about how, what can companies do to improve their diversity and inclusion, it has to go beyond just the interview or just the quotas, and we have to think about the other structural ways that companies can be more inclusive and not just put it off of a base of tests that have been built by the white man <laughs> already. <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, and, and you know, that's where. That's where I feel like a lot of you know these diversity programs or workshops and things like that that are out there sort of fall down a little bit because they don't. First of all, it's a lot of talking at, and and, and second of all, there's there's this lack of you know they're they're trying to broaden it rather than I real I don't know our my approach is. How do we help each individual within the hiring process, anybody involved in hiring, let's just start with that. How do we help them start to address for themselves their own bias and, and understand how that positively and negative, like bias is you know, on its own not positive or negative, it's how we act upon those biases. So how, how do we help people understand how they're acting upon a bias within, a, within an interview, for example? so that then with that knowledge they can either choose to continue to act negatively or they can choose to act more inclusively and then can that if if, if each individual person within the the interview process then can start to make that a habit right if we can turn these things into habits can we affect change more globally throughout the organization by, by helping each individual person within the process rather than trying to go at it from a, a global company perspective and say, look, we as a company have to do this. Because I just, I, I don't know, like I, I, I think that's why diversity initiatives fail. To your point about quotas, I hate quotas too. I hate statistics, mm -hmm. I hate things like that only because you know, it's like if I see a, a statistic out there that says, oh, well, you know, 70% of companies are now diverse, then 
I as a leader, I'm going to go, well, we need to be 75% <laughs> without really understanding what does that mean for my individual company. Right. Like what I, you know, to me, every company has its own DNA. I need to understand how diversity will affect my organization. I don't know. I, yeah. and, and part of it too is why I think inclusion and to your point, Mike, earlier about, yes, we have to choose. It has to be deliberate in order to then see, I think, and I, and I don't know if you were making this point, Nina, but I think if we, if we try to deliberately do diversity, that's when it fails. Mm -hmm. But if we can create a, a, an environment where it just naturally starts to happen with some focus, obviously, right? I'm mm -hmm. not just saying throw it to the wind, mm -hmm. but I feel like if, if you can create a more inclusive place, then diversity will just, will naturally happen. Yeah. And that's, that's where I was coming from, where like if you start to create these practices, right? Like, so what are, what are some tangible things that organizations can do, right? Well, it's getting a, again, call it a, you know, a blurry practice or whatever the practices may be around hiring. Start to put some, some tangible things in. And yeah, I'm a huge fan, Nina, of the work-based learning oh, practices. Oh yeah, I know you are. Yeah, yeah that's, like that's, you're doing a lot of that. Yeah, so, so I, I <laughs> you're love- You're walking the walk. <laughs> yeah, I love those concepts. And to me, you start getting those competencies, those skills and competencies amongst the masses, which they are. Like it's not just a certain demographic that has those skills and competencies. So I like, uh, so starting very strategically within organizations, you know, who are the folks who are hiring, right? Who are, who are those first, first level, you know, the recruiters? Like it, start, it literally starts with recruiters and it starts with, uh, you know, first level managers. And then, you know, I wish I could tell you how many executives that I've talked to are like, you know, Mike, I've never interviewed somebody who's blind. Uh, because they haven't made it this far. Let's just call a spade a spade yeah, here, right? So because your inclusion practices here internally are a little little askew and that's fine. It's good. So it's good to have that baseline. And it's not hammering these organizations for where they are right now. It's good just to acknowledge it though. And that way we can, we can course correct and be agile, right? Well, I think that we're going to have a lot to talk about in our upcoming podcast. I am very excited about this. I think, you know, it, it, to me, I, I think to all of us, the, the important piece is how do we arm people with tools and exercises and, and, and the takeaways to, to go do this, to go turn these things into habits and to truly make an impact that way. We don't want to just sit here and talk at you. Um, so I'm very excited. Um, I'm happy that we're all together on this journey. So, with, you know, I, I, this first episode really was a, an introduction to why we're doing why we're doing this. And so, next episode, TBD is coming soon. But um, we'll provide kind of updates and things like that. Look for more information from us when we publish, and you know, join our as I imagine we'll do like a we'll mailing a website, list, a website and, and all Twitter that kind of stuff. Twitter and Instagram going on, yeah. I'm sure at some point. Mike is all over social media, so we'll definitely jump on that bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> that, that video better not go viral. <laughs> better not go viral. Yeah. So I'm excited. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you both. Thank you audience. And thanks to Spencer behind the, behind the mic, as they say. Choose inclusion out. Choose inclusion out. Peace.